Hey, welcome to another episode of E-Chamber Podcast, and um, I'm presenting a sermon again today, and I recently preached this last Saturday, and it's called Don't Drown. Life can be very overwhelming to the point where you feel like you're drowning, and in the midst of all that, sometimes you can lose sight of the fact that there are options, there are strategies, and there are um, solutions and life-saving methods that God has presented to us and that's the essence of the sermon that maybe God has presented a way and you just need to accept it and choose not to drown. Enjoy the sermon. Be blessed. I'm going to pray. My subject is don't drown. Don't drown. And for those who swim very well, (laughs) that seems fine. But those who don't swim well, that seems complicated. But obviously, What does natural mean about this? We're going to get into it with the subject, don't drown. Someone type in the chat, don't drown. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for all the opportunities and all the rich blessings that you have given unto us. Lord, we look around the world and we can just see there's nothing good that we have done that we deserve to be here. Lord, I was just looking and seeing where there was a mudslide, over 100 people dead and 100 missing. We are no better than them. We don't pray enough, we don't give enough. But Lord, still we are here and we pray we don't take this moment for granted and not taking it for granted where we don't live every day and every moment to serve you, to serve our fellow men, to do good on this earth, understanding you have us for a purpose. Not everyone that was meant to be here today is here. Some have passed on and we are still here. Father, I pray that you use us for today. We know that Sunday, Monday is coming, but Father, I pray today you use everyone listening online and even those who are not. Father, I pray that you minister to their individual need. I pray that this word goes beyond what I can communicate and your Holy Spirit would minister to their heart. Speak to them in that still, small voice. Bring conviction where conviction needs to be brought. Bring encouragement where encouragement needs to be brought. Bring rebuke where rebuke needs to be brought. I pray, Lord Father, that you use me as your vessel. Anoint me to speak your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Don't drown. Like I said before, the idea of drowning may trigger you in different ways. For those who are great swimmers, it might not bother you as much, but for those like me who do not know how to swim, drowning is a very um, (laughs) logical scenario, and that's why I try to avoid large bodies of water, (laughs) you know what I mean? So it's safe to say, obviously, I need to learn how to swim, don't worry, (laughs) I'll work on that. But... It brings me back to a time when I was newly married and I went on the airplane for the first time for our honeymoon. Me and, my Chris, me and Crystal went to Jamaica, all the Jamaicans. <laughs> yeah, we went to the beautiful island of Jamaica. You may have heard of it. And, you know, I figure if we go to a resort or anything, you know, those pools, shallow end, you're good. Uh, and most of these times, my fault, and I won't want to say my fault, but I just let Crystal plan everything because she's a vacationer, so she plans everything. So she planned that we were to go scuba diving. 
So I thought, okay, but you know, if you have a life jacket and you have those things on your face, you should be good. So of course, newly married, I'm just feeling happy about life. I said, okay, fine, we'll do this. Keep in mind, prior to that, I have never been in such a large body of water where I couldn't see the bottom, like it was so far. So this is new for me, but I figured if I have the life jacket, I'm fine. So they bring us out to um, almost seems like the middle of wherever we are. The shore is far away and there's a bunch of people with us and they said, okay, jump out. And then everyone jumps out, I jump out. <laughs> and you know the first time when you jump into that water, you kind of go under and then you pop up. But for some reason, you know, everyone jumped in and start swimming away. I went down and I barely got back up. <laughs> to my, um, my concern, for some reason, even though I had the life jacket on, I was still going underneath the water. And the waves were going, so it's like I'm going underwater, underwater, my face is going underneath the water. So at first I'm trying to stay calm, you know, just figuring the life jacket's gonna do its job. But for some reason, Crystal's my witness, my face was still going underwater. So I wasn't dropping completely, well, now I think back on it, but in the moment I'm saying, I think I'm drowning. <laughs> and we laugh about it now. I look to my left, I look to my right, my new bride is gone. <laughs> the guy that was supposed to be helping us is gone. All the other tourists are gone. So I'm in this water, if you imagine, you can look up the sun, you don't see islands or boats anywhere, and I'm just going like under the water, under the water. And, <laughs> you know, they say your life flashed before your eyes. I don't know about that, but I was getting concerned. But I knew I had to calm down because I was like, maybe me moving all this much is not helping the situation. So I got calm, put my head above the water. Eventually, Crystal came back. And of course, I'm mad at that point. <laughs> but even Crystal admitted that the water was challenging for her. And she's a great swimmer. So then she got the... the, the the lifeguard that was supposed to be working with us, he came, I grabbed on to him, and he brought me back. I say that all to say, when you talk about the idea of drowning, I know how it feels to think you are drowning. I know how it is to be in a large body of water, and you're trying to do everything you can possibly to stay afloat, but it seems like you're slowly sinking and sinking the helplessness that you feel, that nothing I can do can prevent the doom that I'm facing. And that being said, now being 40 years old and living life, and as Pastor Blago mentioned, counseling others and counseling youth and experiencing challenges myself, I understand when metaphorically people say I'm drowning in other areas in their life. Yes, you may be a great swimmer, but you may have experienced what you call like drowning in other areas. Many of us would know the phrase drowning in debt. You are not drowning in water, but you are drowning in debt. Financially, you are so low that it feels like you're drowning, that helplessness. It could be in other areas, not necessarily just finances. It could be emotional. You may feel like you're drowning in depression. You're drowning in anxiety. You're drowning in fear. 
It could be practical areas for my students. It could feel like you're drowning in homework. It could be an employee where you feel like you're drowning in, a, in, a, in assignments and tasks that your boss has given you. It could be a caregiver at home where there's this and that and there's so many tasks and not enough time in the day, you just feel like you're drowning. So whether you're a great swimmer or not, and maybe you've never experienced that in a body of water, I could challenge us today that many of us have experienced the feeling of drowning. It is quite common, you could say. I've also discovered something that is common is while when it comes to being physically where you are, think you physically are drowning in water, most people's survival instincts would kick in and you would try to survive. You would grasp at any opportunity to get out of that situation. Unfortunately, that is not as common in the other areas. Because you've seen something I have observed and something I've experienced in my own life that sometimes people are in a situation in which they're drowning and for whatever reason do not grab hold on the help that is provided for them. Are you following me? Is it possible today that you are drowning in a situation that God has provided help for and you are not reaching? I'm not saying a situation where you don't see a way. I'm talking about, and we're gonna get into it, where God has provided a way and you are not embracing it. And by not embracing that help, you are indirectly choosing to drown. Because I want to challenge you, God could provide a way and not force you to take it. And you could be in a situation that is challenging, that is hurtful, that is pushing you to the brink, and you're wondering why, but God has provided a way. You just have not accepted it. I'll remind you that when you think of the children of Israel, they were slaves for 400 years. And God sends Moses to help deliver them. And through Moses, he's going to deliver them. And he performs all kinds of miracles. And Pharaoh eventually let them go. Do you know what God didn't do? Force them to leave. He says, here's the exit. You now choose to leave. They had a choice to stay or a choice to leave. And now, obviously, if you've been slaves for that long, many of them probably just were born into slavery, didn't know what freedom is. Survival instincts, they just left. And for those who are very familiar with the story, we could argue that it wasn't necessarily they were full of faith because we see that that was a bit of the challenge. But I just want to show you, Eve, it doesn't matter what level of faith you are at. When you are going through a situation that is that hard and that challenging, for some people, any way I can get out of this situation, even some people the wrong way, they will take any way to get out. But just, it, just the same as people will do that, there are people who will still stay in the situation. But I want to encourage you today, it is possible that you are in a situation right now that God has provided a way out, and I want to encourage you today to don't drown. Somebody say don't drown. In the scripture that we read um, earlier, I want to just read verse 7. We want to look at the life of Noah and see um, how we, if we can get anything today. And I believe there are stuff. As soon as I saw Noah, I just thought of my son, Noah. <laughs> I knew it was going to happen eventually. I preached on Noah. 
Hebrews verse 7 says, verse, uh, Hebrews 11 verse 7 says, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear and prepared an ark to the saving of his house by the which he com- condemned the world and became heir of righteousness, which is by faith. For those of you who are not familiar with the story of Noah, Noah lived um, earlier on in the world, and you may have heard of the Ark or movies or uh, (laughs) that case, but essentially the world was wicked, and God decided that, okay, I'm going to start over, and then he gives Noah the plans to the Ark, and he says, this is going to be how you're going to save your family and pairs of animals. Now, if you want to think about this logically and practically, if obviously God didn't warn Noah and God just did it, Noah would have drowned. So we know even though he built the ark, the foundation of him not drowning was awareness. Somebody say awareness. God raised him, raised his awareness of what was going to happen. That is ultimately what saved Noah. And that ultimately was the doom of others. Because you see, I know that there's some debate of how much the people knew of the coming doom. Because some will say, wouldn't they have noticed Noah building the ark? Or some scripture um, have says in Peter that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. And there's some debate off of that. But I just want to use Jesus' words for the sake of my sermon. And I'm looking at Matthew chapter 24, verse 37 to 39. So this is Jesus talking about the final days. He says, but as, the, but as the days of Noah were, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man be. For in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving into marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man will be. When I talk about awareness, on a practical level, you understand that there are people, if you were physically drowning in water, most people, when they react, they almost know that they're drowning. I knew right away, (laughs) something's wrong here, I'm sinking, I'm drowning. But it comes in the other areas in our life, People are not always aware that they are drowning. Because when you take the other side of it, the children, um, those people who are not, um, not in Noah's family or who Noah didn't warn, those people drowned physically. But if you understand the scripture, they were drowning in sin long before the water came. These are people who the Bible talks about, it says that, They did not just do wickedness. Every imagination continually was evil. They they didn't just do evil things. All they were thinking about evil things. These are children who grew up and they were doing evil. And God is a supernatural God, obviously. So we know he has supernatural patience. So you know God was showing patience with these people. But they kept sinning and sinning and sinking deep and deep in that to the point where God said enough. And then God declared judgment. It is possible that you are sinking deeper and deeper into something where you're in a complete state of ignorance. You don't realize how bad things are getting. You could be in a situation today where you don't realize how bad it is. That you are in fact drowning. 
And if it was a body of water, it would be clear. But because it's not that clear, you don't realize you are sinking. Later on in the New Testament, Jesus comes for the salvation and Jesus comes on the cross and he says something. He says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. In another scripture, it says that if they had the wisdom of God, they wouldn't have crucified Christ. Meaning if they completely knew what they were doing, they wouldn't do it. This is all talking about a lack of ignorance. You could be in a horrible state sinking and you not really know. The Bible says if they had known, they wouldn't have done it. And that is true for salvation, but it's true in other areas. You said, if I had known I was falling that deep in debt, I would have done something different. If I had known that the boss was watching me that way, I would have, and, and I was about to get fired, I would have come in early. If I knew my marriage was falling apart the way it was, I would have done something different. If I knew my child was in that much trouble, I would have done something. If I knew my health was deteriorating that much, I would have done something different. You could be in a complete state of ignorance, the fact that you are sinking. And that's why it's important that when we bring, in self, bring awareness and truth to our life, that we are able to come to that knowledge that we are sinking. Because the danger is, because we are living in our situations all the time, we can get used to the feeling of drowning and it becomes your norm. When you look at the children of Israel, the Bible talks about how Moses would handle the situations. He would listen to the problems one by one on his own. And he was used to it. Everyone was used to it. It was no problem. It's only until his father-in-law came and said, what are you doing? This is not a good thing. You're going to waste, you and the people are wasting away. You are going to drown in this situation. And he offered a different solution. That's why it's important for many reasons to come to church and to hear the word and to hear teaching and to have fellowship because when you are exposed to truth, it can bring conviction to say, you know what? Something's not right in my life. And God could use not just the church, but he can use different things outside of the church to bring conviction that you are in a situation that you need to do something different. I'm going to say there's something I do. I'm not saying you should do this. And for some people, I dare say you should not. But I was in a season of my life where I was not paying attention to my diet. And I was just eating, eating, eating. And I didn't realize how bad the situation was. Until I went on the scale. <laughs> and then I realized now I actually weigh myself every day. I have an app where I put in what I eat every day. Because it's not going to sneak up on me again. And I'm not saying that you have to do that. But I'm saying this information exposes me to the truth of my situation. And if I had just stayed in my dysfunction and just kept there, I wouldn't have realized I was drowning in my health. What area are you drowning in that you are not aware of? It could be the challenge that you're facing right now that, you, that you, you can't put your finger on it, but you know something is wrong. And I challenge you today, whether I'm sitting in the sermon or not, you owe it to yourself to go to God and say, God, if there's an area in which I'm sinking, reveal it to me, show me where I'm wrong, show me where I need to make a change in my life. 
We are a church that don't believe in just giving you good, happy messages. Sometimes we need to be rebuked by God. Sometimes God needs to reveal, yes, this situation is bad. And although the enemy will convince you that you're too far gone, you are not too far gone. If God is warning you of the situation, it's because you have a chance to change, but you have to choose to not drown. Somebody say, don't drown. The next is... Since you come to awareness, we want to seek and embrace help. Somebody say, seek and embrace help. When we look at the story of Noah even more, I want to now go into Genesis chapter 6, verse 14 to 16. I'm reading this in New King James Version. It's practically close to King James. It just saves me some of those words. Let's be honest. Genesis 6, 14 to 16. It says, God is now instructing Noah. God is talking. So make yourself an ark of gopher wood, make rooms in the ark, and cover it inside and outside with a pitch. And this is how you shall make it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, its width 50 cubits, and its height 30 cubits. You will make a window for the ark, and you, will, you shall finish it to a cubic above and set the door of the ark in its side. You shall make it with lower, second, and third decks. God didn't just say, hey, flood's coming and left him alone. God provided a solution, a detailed solution to how he could be saved. There is a detailed solution to your situation. There is a detailed solution to what you're experiencing. And you may say, well, Macho, if God comes out and gives me those details, I would do it. Well, I can challenge the obedience, but I won't go into that. But you said, at least if God gave me the details, I would know and I would do that exactly. Well, obviously we know the Bible is powerful. We know scripture is powerful, but we know that it doesn't speak to every situation directly. But scripture does speak to what we can do. And I'm reading this now, James chapter 1, verse 5. I'm reading this in NIV. It says, many of us know the scripture, but I'm reading it for this version because I want you to really get it. If any man or any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God. I'll say that again. If any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously, generously to all without finding fault. He's not going to hold it against you that you didn't know. And it will be given unto you. You may not know the exact situation of how, how to get out at that time, but you have the ultimate source that he says, you don't know, ask. Ask me, and I'm willing to give it generously. You know a generous giver. Somebody may give you something, but you're not sure. But a generous giver means I'm just willing to, I'm just waiting to give this out to you. God is willing to give you wisdom without finding fault to whatever your situation is. But it speaks further about you have to do that with faith lacking nothing because you have to believe, one, the answer is out there and God could provide it. And God may not give it to you audibly back to say, well, this is how you need to do the finances. Maybe do. God may through his Holy Spirit, but God has given man wisdom and knowledge where there are answers all around. We are arguably living in one of the greatest times, informationally speaking, of all time. 
I mean, you can just go on the internet and you can almost look up any subject possible right now. I am still old enough to remember where you have to go to a library and you couldn't do a Google search. Now you have kids who have the information in the palm of their hand where they can look up anything they want, any subject. I'm somebody that likes to research, get information. I mean every subject. I remember when I got married, I bought a tie. I realized I don't know how to tie a tie. I Googled it, how to tie a tie. Showed a YouTube video, five minutes later, I, I was able to tie the tie. I mean everything. Information is everywhere on finances. And now, especially YouTube, they're not paying me to say this, but especially YouTube, you have free seminars that gives you information on every subject almost anything, cooking, finances, how to fix your car, how to um, sew a pants, how to do things everywhere. You now look at the church globally, the church is more holistic than it ever has been before. Me and my dad talk about how um, we were talking about some of the things I was getting about marriage from the church. Most of the information I learned about being a good husband is from the church. That's where I got it from. And my dad talked about in a time where some of those subjects you couldn't even say in church. We right now, the church offers all of that to marriage, to people who got divorced, for children, for your money, for abuse victims, for um, all different areas within our lives. I even saw a pastor um, go and stream video games online and go on the... Um, where the community where people play video games and aren't even going to church and he's preaching the gospel people are getting creative with all the ways in which they're presenting information and yet still people are still drowning in their situation all the information available to us and people are still struggling People are still in challenging. People are still struggling in their marriage. People are still struggling with their kids. People are still struggling with their finances. People are still struggling in different areas where there's information, whether it's for free or you have to be paid for, there are people out there, Christians and non-Christians, God has given wisdom out there where we can get information and people still won't embrace it. Because it's one thing to seek the help, it's another to embrace it. Now, there are different areas why people don't do it that I'm not going to touch in all of it, but I just want to get into a few today. One of the reasons is hopelessness. Hopelessness. I like to try to imagine what biblical characters could think, so I can't prove this. But I'm wondering, if I was in Noah's position, the Bible, the Bible does, I'm going to give you in the practical thing. The, the, when they translate it, they say, that the ark was approximately seven stories high and one and a half football feet wide. And the Bible is not giving us any clear um, description of how many people were helping Noah, but we know even so, without the modern technology, that is a lot of work. And that is, it is some people have guesstimated that it took almost close to near 100 years for him to build it. God is not giving him the, the, the wood pre-cut. <laughs> he has to do that all on his own. And sometimes when you look at a task is so big, I wonder if he ever felt, man, this is a lot of work. And sometimes when you look at how hard it is to get out of the situation, it feels hopeless and you don't even start. 
It's one thing if you were drowning in some water and the, and, the, and the help was right there, but it's another when the shore seems so far away, it seems so far, it feels, you feel it's, it's completely helpless. There are some people who are listening today that maybe you're in a situation that you know that you're drowning and you know it's bad, but to fix it seems so hard, you feel hopeless. There are some people um, I know of, and I know the feeling, but I know of, who were caught up so much in sin that they felt they went so far gone that it took too much to get back to God, they just left church, hopeless. There could be people where you messed up in your marriage so badly that all the work it would take to fix things, you think there's no point, hopeless. You should be, you, some, there's some people you may be so deep in debt that you feel like, I can't, I can't ever be rich, much or less just basic level, and you, you just keep on with the same behavior because you feel hopeless. There were times as a student where I was feeling so bad, I just took the, took the F, hopeless. <laughs> Different areas in our life, it's not a judgment, it's just an observation, spiritually speaking. Could it be that you know that you are struggling right now, you know that you're drowning, but you are not acting because you are feeling hopeless? That is one of the reasons why people refuse to embrace help. Another is pride. Oh, somebody say pride. This is one of those ones that seems subtle, but if you understand how pride works, it's very dangerous. Very dangerous. And I'm not saying that you can't have a sense of pride, a sense of self-worth where you don't think great things of you. I, I have a proud father. I have pride. In a certain level, pride can be an okay thing. Not when you're drowning, though. <laughs> not when you're drowning. When you see someone is drowning, <laughs> They're not trying to look all dignified and everything. They're screaming help. They're, they're splashing. They look unsophisticated and everything because like we talked about, survival instinct stink kicked in. Could you imagine if I drowned in Jamaica and Crystal came back and told you, the reason I drowned is because I didn't like the person that was trying to help me. So I just had my hands like that and drowned. You would say that is madness. But that's the same way I think God looks at some of us where God has provided help in a situation and the only reason you won't do it is because of pride. The only reason is pride. And I want to use some practical examples because people may think I'm, pre I'm the preacher is picking, pick, um, picking on me. So, because like I said, I know I have a level of pride to me. <laughs> I know, I'm a Chambers, I have a level of pride. We all do. But I remember when I first started dating Crystal, I had no job. I had, I was out of school, I had nothing, nothing. So you know, you know I had games. So I had nothing. So at that time, I was getting money different places just to go see her. And I lived in Ajax, she lived in Toronto. So you know it costs money. <laughs> so I would go pay, et cetera, et cetera. One time I did not have any money to do this. So I told her I couldn't, um, but I really wanted to see her. So I told her the truth. She said, I'll pay for you. I didn't want to, I didn't want to take it. But I said, you know what, let me just go. I went, we had a great time, and as Crystal was getting on the bus and driving off, I realized she didn't give me bus fare home. And I didn't say anything. I just watched as the bus went away and I was there. I was stranded with no way to go home. 
And the only thing that was stopping me was pride. And those of you who know pride, it fills up in your heart where you're like, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. I already did it off. <laughs> I obviously made it home away, I can tell you another time. But it was pride that was stopping me. Pride. I can tell you other situations in which I've inconvenienced myself not to ask for help because of pride. Pride. There was a situation that was so devastating in my life that pride couldn't get in my way. So I decided, you know what? I'm going to seek counsel and I'm going to seek advice. And I'm telling you right now, God knows one of the worst things I've done, two people on this earth know. <laughs> one of them are taking it to the grave and another knows, they know that they know they're, they're bound professionally. And I'm not saying this to say how high and mighty I am. I'm saying this because to be quite frank, I realized it was attack of the enemy because the enemy could use pride to keep you in a bad state. And I realized that this was something that was going to drag me to hell and I was not going to have my pride burning in hell. So I decided to get help. What is it worth to you? What is your pride? There is a quote that says, pride costs everything but takes everything, leaves you with nothing. It says pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. What is your pride worth to you at this time? Is it worth your marriage? Is it worth your marriage, your pride? Is it worth that relationship that you know that you were wrong and you will not ask for forgiveness because of pride? Is it worth it? Is it worth that situation, you messing up because you don't want to ask for help? And God has revealed to you, there's a person that you know that has the information, but you don't want that person to know that you don't know. So you're gonna pretend, what is your pride worth? And the famous one, to my, for those who are not used to church, growing up in the church, the famous one, I don't want to say anything to anybody, and then it's gonna be talked all around the church, and everyone's gonna know my business. There are people who will not reach out for help because of that. And I understand, like I said, pride, embarrassment, shame. But what is it worth? Is it worth failing in that situation is your pride. I want to challenge you today. Don't let the enemy keep you in a bad situation because of pride. You have to make up in your mind, this is worse if I stay in this situation. I'm going to let go of my pride and embrace the help that God gives. If Jesus, who had every reason to be, have pride, he is the son of God, he is God in flesh, came and humbled himself under the cross and submitted himself to the punishment of man for you and I, who am I with my pride? Who are you with your pride to say that you won't humble yourself? God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. You need the grace to get out of this situation, but you need to let go of your pride. Don't let pride get in the way of you getting the deliverance you need. Pride can be an issue. And one of the other areas is tired. Somebody say tired. I imagine Noah building that ark. Some days he got so tired, he says, we're going to bed tonight, no more today. Being physically tired. And there's not just a physical tired, but there's emotional tired. Some of you say, Macho, I've been trying. I've been swimming, I've been trying to get out of this situation, but I'm tired. I'm tired of doing what people say to get out of the situation, but seeing no results. 
I'm tired of doing my best and not being appreciated by loved ones and people close to me. I'm tired of always being the bigger person and apologizing and, and it seems like I'm just being walked on. I'm tired of the budget and I don't see the finances changing. I'm tired of praying and reading my Bible and I don't see the spiritual growth. I'm tired of um, trying to resist this issue but the issues are still in my mind. I'm tired of trying my best but still having these intrusive negative urgency, a new sense of energy all of a sudden, all of a, all of a sudden fills them. They're, they have a new sense of resolve inside of them. But you only get that second win if you don't get up. You don't necessarily get that from rest. You get that from people I'm pushing and you go past the limit where you thought you could go. Some of you right now are feeling like you need to give up, but I'm here to tell you that God's going to give you a second win, and you feel like you were going to give up on that situation, but all of a sudden, you have a renewed hope, you have a renewed vigor, and you feel like, I can get out of this situation. I want to read the, um, uh, the story of the Apostle Paul who had a second win, who was restored and in his 2 Corinthians 1, verse 8 to 10. And I challenge you in this whole sermon, get that and read that home. Paul, the Apostle Paul, was preaching the gospel in different areas and they didn't always receive him well. He was beaten. He was thrown out of the um, out of places. He was rejected and he was um, criticized. All these things. And Paul, being very honest in scripture, says this, verse 8. So once again, that's 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8 to 10. He said, for we did not want you to be ignorant, brethren. He said, I didn't want to be fake with you. I want you to know, brethren of our trouble which came to us in Asia that we were burdened beyond measure above strength so that we despise even of life yes we had the sentence of death Paul's being real with us in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves but in God who raises the dead who delivered us from so great a death and delivered and does deliver us in whom we trust that he will still deliver us. Paul says that I was pushed above my strength. I felt like I had the sentence of death. I did everything I could, but I trust in God. And God, who can raise the dead, delivered us out of this situation. Because that's what you need to keep in mind. We have a God that can raise the dead. There is something about other challenges in the world, but your challenges isn't as hard as raising the dead. Maybe that is your situation. And we serve a God that can raise the dead. So if you serve a God that can raise the dead, what of your finances, God can do it. If you have a situation in your marriage, what of it, God can raise the dead. If you have a kid that has gone astray, God can raise the dead. He can fix that situation. If you have issues on your workplace, don't matter. God can raise the dead so he can fix that situation. You serve a God with resurrecting power. And if you are a believer in today, you have that power living inside of you. But you have to make up in your mind, I am not going to drown in the night. I am not going to let this situation take me down. I'm coming out of this situation. I will not drown. Somebody turn to your neighbor and say, I don't drown. I know you're tired, but don't drown. I know the situation feels hopeless, but don't drown. I know there may be pride in your heart, but don't drown. I know you may have tried a solution, but try something else. Don't drown. God is giving you a way out. It might not seem clear, but you need to keep on going. Weeping may endure in the night, but joy comes in the morning. You can get the deliverance that you need in that situation. 
but you have to make up in your mind not to drown. Oh, I'm wrapping up because you see, the last point is you have to envision, you have to focus on the vision of better. Focus of the vision of better. You see, I, I imagine that Noah, when he was building the ark, and he's thinking God is going to flood the situation, but him understanding what a boat is, I couldn't help but think that Noah's thinking about this floating on water. So what is going to destroy others, he's like, this is going to float. So the situation that is going to allow others to drown, I'm going to float on. It's not just the fear of drowning that drives you. You need to let the vision of better, somebody say better, drive you. What is the vision of that situation would look like? You see, when I'm struggling in the water, I'm not just thinking about afraid of death. I'm thinking about land, of how good it's going to be on land. There may be a situation that others are drowning in, but I want to challenge you that God wants you to float on that situation. You may be thinking about a situation that's so rough, but rather than just think about the bad, think about, envision, what would it look like for my marriage to be better? You were in love one time, think about what would that look like? If there's a child that has gone astray, what would it look like if that child's restored? If you have finances where you are broke, that you have to budget everything, think about what would it be, not just to make money, not just to make ends meet, but to be rich. I don't want to blaspheme, but to be rich. Christians can be rich. If that's a vision that God's put in your mouth, your mind, why don't you envision that as well? If you have a stronghold that's holding you down, you keep making mistake after a mistake. Don't just think about that mistake. Envision what it would be like to be free. What would it be like to not have that burden and that shackle holding you? You see, you don't want to just be motivated by fear. You want to envision better. Somebody say better. The Bible talks about Peter who and the other disciples were on a boat and the storm was going and Jesus came walking on the water and they were fearful at that situation. They probably were worried and thinking they were going to drown. They thought it was a ghost. You're in some situations where it goes from bad to worse and fear is filling your heart. But the Bible says, Peter says something interesting. He's like, if it's you, Lord. He didn't say, if it's you, Lord, calm the storm. If it's you, just come on the boat. He says, if it's you, bid me come. Peter switched from fear to faith. And Peter got a vision and said, I know this situation is bad, but I got a vision of something better. And something entered in his spirit that no one has done before and will do after I have seen. He began to walk on water. He started to do something that no one has done before. You could be in a situation, but I'm telling you, if you get in God's presence and you say, Lord, if it's you that want me to have this situation, if you want me to have this situation, if you're with me in this situation, I want to challenge you. You can not only just get the bare minimum, you can get something that no one has ever gotten before. You can have a marriage better than anyone else. You can have a financial situation better than everyone else. You can have a child better than everyone else. And I'm not saying better than everyone else in competition. I'm saying my God is not limited to the standards of other people. You may be looking at other people's situation and say, if I can just make it there, if I don't want to drown, I just make it in this situation. But God could be trying to take 
you higher than that situation, not for your glory, but for his glory, because you can turn back and say, I remember when I was drowning. I remember when I was in that situation, but God came and helped me in my struggle. I remember when I was sinking deep in sin, far from a shore, but God came and restored me because love lifted me. You can get out of any situation, but you have to believe that God has provided a way out and choose not to drown. I'm going to close now, and I understand that there are some situations that you may feel there's just no way out of this situation. And I'm not saying that it's always visibly there. But I hope with this message you are getting, I'm speaking directly to a person that is in a situation. Is it possible that God has provided a way? Is it possible? Maybe in this sermon you've already realized God has provided a way. It might not be him saying it to be audibly, but maybe he sent people in your life. Maybe he sent situations. Maybe he's convicted you of what you ought to do. Whatever it is, I'm telling you, or I'm trying to encourage you today, as challenging as it is, don't drown. We see in this pandemic, we are isolated like never before. And in that isolation, it's easy to just let go and just allow and just go off in that drift. But God has a word for you today. Don't give up. Don't give up. The marriage might not be what it is, don't give up. The finances might not be where it is, don't give up. Young people, you may not be spiritually where you want to be, don't give up. The enemy wants to convince you life is too overwhelming, just give up. But I'm challenging you today, don't drown. Just because God hasn't completely taken you out of the situation doesn't mean that he hasn't put out a hand to help you in this situation. And I want to first say, I want to lastly say to those who are not Christians here today, the world is drowning in sin. And you maybe understand God loves you and God cares about you, but you haven't accepted him. Don't drown. Don't drown. You may not be in the place where you think you're ready, but embrace it out. That story of Peter... I like that story for multiple reasons because though he had the faith to walk on water, he didn't have the pride that once he started to sink to call out to God. So call out to him, say, God, I'm tired of what I am, save me. I've made mistakes, but I know you're God that can raise the dead. Surely you can raise me up and he will raise you up in the last day. And that's why we don't fear the drowning of death because we know we will rise again. I'm going to pray, but I want you to pray even now. I feel so strongly with my spirit for that person that's feeling hopeless, for that person who has pride, that person who is feeling tired. Whatever that situation is, God can restore you. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for all that you've done. We thank you, Lord, that you are God that even though there are situations that are overwhelming us, life overwhelms us, you are a God that is not a passive God. You come down into our affairs and you have an extended hand. You may 
use yourself, you may use people, you may send angels, you have done different things to send help. But Father, I pray you help that person today who is not reaching out today. I pray first for the person that is not a Christian, who does not lord you as their Lord and personal Savior. Let them know that you through Jesus suffered and died that they may have a way. That there is a boat, there is a salvation that they can be saved. And that judgment will come one day and that they just need to embrace your help. They don't have to drown. That is not your will for their lives. They could be drowning in mistakes, drowning in sadness, drowning in fears. Let them know that your love can let them rise above it all. But you need to, they need to accept that love and be restored. Lord, I pray for that person today. Maybe they're not even aware that they're drowning in a situation. I pray your Holy Spirit gives conviction to them. That they know clearly that this is a situation that they're struggling in. I pray you breathe answers and resources. I pray you empower the church and the ministers and others to have the wisdom and knowledge to provide to different members and not just the leaders, but us fellow brethren, we able to give us wisdom and understanding in our different areas, not just the spiritual arrows, but the practical areas. Let us be a resource to each other. Father, I pray for that person who is feeling utterly helpless. With tears in their eyes, they feel helpless. They just feel absolutely helpless. Lord, I pray you restore them in such a way. Give them the hope to believe again. Give them the hope to believe again that you are there and let them see and have the faith to trust that you are there with them and that you, want, you have a hope for a better end, an expected end in their life. I pray for that person, that pride that fills their heart, that they just don't want to let go. I pray that they remember you, that they remember the cross. Let that give them an example to say, if Jesus from glory could humble themselves, so can I. I come against any form of shame that would make them feel bad for asking out for help. And they may have asked out for help and it didn't go right. But Father, I pray that you help them, Lord, to understand that they can ask for help again. Let them not be deceived by the enemy to feel pride. Give them the grace to humble themselves. And I pray for that person who is tired. The person who day after day, week after week, is trying very hard, but they just simply feel tired. Feel so tired physically. Go to bed and feel tired. Father, I pray you renew their strength. Every time they go down to pray, I pray they renew their strength. Every Sabbath when they spiritually invest, I pray you renew their strength. And even if it's just for that day, let them go again and get their daily bread and be renewed every day. Father, I pray for the leadership, renew their strength. Pray for the leadership of this church. I pray for the leadership of every household. Lord, I sense in my spirit, I be obedient. I pray for every man. I pray you renew his strength. I pray you renew his strength. That one that is giving up, I pray you renew his strength, Lord Father. In the name of Jesus, restore him in such a way. Allow your spirit to restore him. He is feeling discouraged. He is feeling overwhelmed. But restore such a one in Jesus' name. We thank you for all you are doing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.